Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth is not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around this is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. <laughs> yo, 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 it's me, Mario Oldrevo, up, up on this Friday evening. And we got a full show for you tonight, so I'm not even going to waste time in, uh, rattling on about myself. So let me get to my co-hosts, and uh, we're going to get the ball rolling because we've got a lot of things to talk about, a lot of people to talk about them. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be cool. All right, hold on. Here is M. What's up? Hi, Mario. Hi, everyone. Great Friday, first Friday of the year. Happy New Year, everyone. Yep, happy new year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't I keep forgetting that it's a new year. Yep, 2014. Oh, yep. <laughs> All right, man. Yo, we got my homie uh Shoeis Cottage and I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, man. Um um a black number leader of Detroit vice president. How you doing, man? Yo, Chu. He may not be ready. All right, well, I'll just roll on to the next person. Okay. I ain't heard him. I do not oh. hear him. I do not hear him. He is silent. Maybe he's being okay. shy right now. Who's our next guest? Raina. Uh, hey, man, Raina. Hey, everybody. Hi, Raina. All right, all right. Yeah, this is Raina Rose, uh, 
blogger at Rose Reality, host of the RS RS feed, part of the BLT family. So how you doing? Hi, hi everybody. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Interesting stuff going on. <laughs> cool, cool. I can dig it. I can dig it. And then we have Noah Jones. Uh, blogger at Loudest, a new co-host of the Breakbeat with my homie MC Brooks, who is a secular hip hop artist and grand unified MC. So we're gonna bring them both on at the same time. Yo, uh, yes, good. good. I was trying to do oh, that. Hi, Noah. I'm sorry. Yo. Hi. <laughs> so glad you guys could be here today. We love it. Um, yeah. And um, just in case you guys didn't hear, Mario. Um, Raina has her blog, the RSS feed. Um, it's a WordPress blog, and she's also um, one of, well, excuse me, her show's the RSS feed. Her blog is Roads to Reality. And Thank you. That's yeah, Roads, R H O D E S, Roads to Reality. And um, her show is the RSS feed, comes on on Sundays. Um, Teeny's blog is Loudish, loudish.com. Um, she's a, a great secular writer as well. and Brooks, of course, you guys know him. He's part of the BFT family and a great secular hip hop artist. Yeah, sounds better saying it twice. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, and um, just lurking in the wings is going to be our matriarch um, ma- ma- is Kim. So just uh, let y'all know in case she didn't chime line. in. We have Vita on the line. Um, Vita Star is another one of the another member of the BFT family. She has her own show on Star with Vita Blast, and she is no our surprise guest tonight. She wasn't scheduled because it was very tentative whether or not she could appear on the show, but she is here to speak with you guys today. Put her on, Mario. I did. No shit. Well, I got the the prefixes mixed up anyway. Well, <laughs> how you doing, Vita? Hey, everybody. I'm so excited. I'm sorry I came on last minute, but I really didn't know until, like, 30 minutes before whether or not I would even be able to join. Yeah, I really, really wanted her, and I, I got in. I got my bid in early, so I'm so glad that you could be on the show today because I really wanted your very valuable two cents. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. All right, and cool. Well, I'm just no, actually, I got the prefixes mixed up. Do that was my mistake, Sharp my bad. Is the Tourette managed to make an appearance, show his face in the place? Well, his, his mic is live, but I haven't heard anything from him as yet. Anyway, go ahead and roll with him. Go ahead and get it on. All right, let's jump right into the discussion. On tonight's show, we will be discussing race and the role it plays in the secular free thought community. Um, You know, um, obviously race plays a huge issue in the religious communities, and I think a lot of people are under the misconception that among agnostics, atheists, and um, secularists, that um, the the notion of race just completely falls away, and we're all colorless, and et cetera, et cetera. But I think everyone on the line knows better, and we will be discussing that tonight. Why um, people of color, um, especially non-believers, need their own places, and how you feel that race has affected the secular community as a whole, and how what 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 role um, race plays in the free thought community. So um, the first thing I want to put post, first question I want to post to everyone is. Um, do you think the secular community is making 
a genuine effort to diversify? And if they are, do you think they're making enough of an effort to diversify? Who wants to who wants to chime in? Noah, you want to go first? Hello. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I was looking at the um the questions. My bad. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm having the slow moment. I'm eating keto and stuff. Anyway, um, I think that I don't know. I don't know. I don't really see. Maybe they are making an effort. I don't know. The only way before I had really gotten really involved in the community, the only other person of color that I had seen really out there was Ayan Hirsi Ali mm-hmm. and maybe Sikibu Hutchinson. So I guess that's diversity. Um, I believe it's coming becoming more diverse. I don't know if there's been a, like a whole lot of efforts to really make it diverse. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. So. Um. I'll say that I think that um, I think that that while um, there are some diverse communities within the secular, you know, free thought community, I think that um, more efforts could be made to um, translate uh, some of that diversity to the um, to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think enough efforts are made there. You know, I agree. Uh, I, 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 do, I do see what you're saying because I do see a lot of diversity in the background. I don't see it as being like a forefront in the free thought movement either. Right. And um, I think the other thing, too, would also would be that maybe they could also, um, that, that, that you would even see some more diversity even on the sort of the grassroots level if there were mm-hmm. some changes in some of the things that, these communities would, you know, are supposed to be talking about, you know. But there has been a, I mean, there there definitely has been um, more sort of diverse groups that have sprung up. I mean, I think there was like, you know, I mean, look at Norm Allen. Norm Allen was out here by himself for quite a while, right? You know, <laughs> and now and now I think we have something like twenty different, um, you know, that you know minority atheist or, or skeptical groups that have cropped up. So that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty amazing in a, in a very short span because most of us came out in, like, 2009, 2010. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to go from, like, you know, roughly zero to, like, 20 is a pretty major accomplishment, you know? I so. I agree. I got you. Also, I, I do think, I mean, I went, to a, I went to a couple conventions last year. It was my first time actually kind of going to – to anything along those lines. And one of the sentiments I heard echoed uh, from both uh, black non-believers and also from some white non-believers is that it's kind of amazing to see that um, they're starting to have more people of color, you know, speak at these events, you know, as opposed to in years past when, you know, if you, were, if you, were to, if you had, you know, one person of color speaking, that was like a rare occurrence as opposed to now where you're starting mm-hmm. to get a bit more, you're starting to, to get other people, you're starting to get, uh, you know, black men or uh, men of color and women of color who are now, you know, being able to speak at, you know, these free thought events that for a really long time were, you know, mostly reserved for the, you know, people like the Four Horsemen or the people who are at the head of like these, these uh, organizations like American Atheists, for example. Mm-hmm. So I mean, progress has been made. I mean, 
maybe they've made some efforts, but I do agree with Reina. You know, there's definitely a lot more that they can be doing, but I think they're, you know, maybe to some degree there's been a start or they've started or, you know, maybe things are starting to change, but it's, it's still, you know, I think people are still kind of dragging their feet as far as it's mm-hmm. concerned. Okay, gotcha. Um, anyone else want to chime in? Zita, did you want to make a point? Well, I will say this. I, 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 to be honest, I don't know because the only secular humanist community I've ever known or been a part of was black atheists, was black skeptics in L.A., and we're all mm-hmm. black. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, that's if I were to make a guess, and, and I'm not going to say guess, I'm not, so that's, that, that's not the right word, I mean. I look at it like this. I've never, the first group of people that, even reached out to me were black as far as atheism and secular humanism. No, mm-hmm. oh, no white men. No, and I and I, I know that they exist because we've worked with them. They never reached out to our community. I found out later that there were organizations also by hanging around other white people in LA. So mm-hmm. I, was, I, I, from my perspective, being a person of color who's an atheist, no one reached out to me from that community as far as a, mm-hmm. as far as the more supposed mainstream or I guess. Um, you know, the non, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say, non-national, <laughs> uh, you know, where it's not like black or Latino or person of color group, you know, if it's supposed to be all inclusive, they've never reached out to me. Only the black people did. So. Gotcha. You know, I mean, I guess I, I had a similar um, situation because when I first became atheist, you know, I saw atheism as something that black people didn't do. And to look at my, you know, the family that I grew up in and the culture I grew up in, you know, I'm Caribbean and um, I'm Haitian and there's like, Haitian atheist is like non-existent. I didn't think I would be able to find other black non-believers and I did. Um, One of the first groups I got involved in was black atheists. Um, But um, like Vita, you know, most of my atheist friends are, are atheists of color, are black. They're not, you know, I don't know any white atheists. Um, very, I have very few, like probably a handful of white atheist friends. But the question I want to pose to you as a follow-up to, to this question is, um, very recently I, 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 I saw a video and I read an article about, two, about similar topics. The video was a black man. Um, who made about, it was about seven minutes long, the video was entitled Black People Don't Do Atheism, in which it goes on and on and on about why black people shouldn't be atheists and why atheism isn't a part of the black culture, how it is an insult to our our ancestors, et cetera, because Christianity got them by. And the article was um, talking about how atheism is a luxury for the rich. How do you guys feel about the idea that atheism is something that rich white people do. I disagree with that. Well, 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 I feel uh, two ways about it, actually. Um, When I originally uh, started going to the atheist conventions and stuff like that, I noticed the prices uh, of the uh, the tickets. I mean, they have the regular tickets were like over $100, and then there are other other packages that go up into two, three, four, five, six, seven. They even have lifetime membership packages well over a thousand, two, three thousand dollars. And so it does get the appearance of some type of elitism. But at the same time, we don't have to go to an American atheist convention. So um, 
when I, as long as I've been in um, uh, um, a part of when I was originally part of uh, BN, and uh, now I'm kind of you know just kind of on my own, just going to different places and everything like that. And I see a lot of people who don't have the means to pay for a five hundred dollar ticket to hang out with uh, with the usual suspects of atheism all the time. So we're mm-hmm. still making it. We're still accomplishing the same goals. Albeit we're not, we don't make the headlines that American Atheist does. And I don't think mm-hmm. okay. that we necessarily need to. I think um, I want to. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was about to ask you. <laughs> oh, I want this. This be that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pick back off of that. I hear what he's saying, and I think um, as far as events, I mean that actually goes back to the first question about exclu- you know being exclusive people of color. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I know damn sure. Even if I had my hair off and pants, I know damn fine. I'd hang out with nobody. You know what I mean? True <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <I'm, I'm>, that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just Say that. You, that's not a very uncommon thing amongst people of color. You know what I mean? Because I think, um, and, and I, I mean, I just really feel like that's a way to be exclusive. So that goes back to your first question, what he just said. But also, um, I think when you talked about the, the article, because I read that article and I posted it and I read it about um, uh, what is it? The um, atheism. Uh, atheism for, is a luxury reserved for the rich. Right. And um, just to clarify, because I actually read the full article, I still don't fully agree with the article, but um, I think that uh, what he was trying to say is that poor people are hopeless, or they they need this to feel some type of hope and to feel some type of, you know, encouragement to get through the fact they're suffering. And I think that's more so what he was saying. But either, I mean, I don't fully, I always, I mean, I agree with it, and I don't, but I don't fully agree with it because there's some definite, um, no. uh, there are some de- so I kind of felt like he was, it was more so him coming to terms with his own privilege, and mm-hmm. uh, as a, more so than really realizing the um, the depth in which religion plays a role in poor communities. And exactly. So- Actually, that's what I was about to bring up because you know um, I was raised Catholic and I have a very different um, perception of religious people, especially those who are living in poverty. Some people see it as a chicken or an egg issue. I don't. I think there's a, it's not a coincidence that the poorest countries on earth are the most religious. I think their religion and the the kind of feeling of hopelessness and martyrdom and lack of critical thinking that it fosters generation to generation is why these people are poor. Right. I think I think I think it's a combination of things. I mean, it it, it is a, a, a weird question of you know what came first, um, but I do think I, I think that. Um, the religiosity um, or the clinging to religion, it comes about because they're poor as well. Um, you know, th- when you have the erosion of, 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 so- of social safety nets, um, you, you get sort of more of a clinging to religion. Like, look at what happened in Britain, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the, the introduction of universal health care and, and greater um, sort of uh, social services has basically diminished over time the presence of, you know, or, or the influence of religion, except obviously at the very highest levels when you're talking about parliament. But in the everyday, yeah. for the everyday citizen, they don't, they're not necessarily um, as religious as they were even 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think, gotcha. I think it's a combination of the two. It's like when you don't have, you know, the, 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 the most essential parts of life, you know, health care, access to education, things like that, you know, that it is 
it, 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 you need something, you know what I mean? And, and unfortunately, that something usually comes from the church because churches are also, in some of these communities, the only place that's stepping up to provide any of that. You know, it that's may be, it may be inadequate, but it's, they're the only ones doing it. You know? Exactly. That's a fair point. And, you know, piggybacking off what Raina just said, too, I think it's also um, – you know, when you're talking about that chicken or egg theory, it's it's very um, relevant to to point out that England hasn't been Catholic in a very, 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 very long time. And the denomination of Catholicism as well as the religion of Islam are two prominent religions known for um, telling people that suffering brings them closer to God. I don't think such a mindset or uh, such a mentality repeated over and over again fails to have an impact telling someone, the more you suffer now, the better your reward will be in heaven, definitely is going to have an impact when they're, you know, they feel like their situation is hopeless anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that, is, that is one perspective, too. But, I mean, I also have, I also have you know, friends who practice Islam who um, are very big on charity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, believe in, they believe in charity, and they especially believe in charity during, you know, Ramadan. You know, oh, yeah, um, both of those you know, religions they, they believe, are. Yeah, so they, so you know, some of my one of my friends even chastised a colleague of his. He was like, "You shouldn't be selling anything, you know, during Ramadan. You should be giving this away." You know, mm-hmm. that's how he that because that's how he interprets his faith. So I mean, it really is is a matter of interpretation. You know, one Definitely. you know some people are are more I guess maybe the way that you that you described. But I've also known people who were you know this this is a um, a call. To um, you know, to more you know, to to being a better person and to doing more for your community, not just for oneself. You know. Okay. So. Um, Noah, okay. How do you guys? Oh, oh Paul. Paul. Kim, go. Kim, were you trying to say? All right. Paul? I was. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Oh, I wanted to know um, how um, Noah and Brooks feel about the question. Do you guys think that atheism is something that, um, you know, um, is exclusive or excludes people who are black or poor? I think sometimes. And I I think in a lot of situations, yeah, as far as like what, I'm sorry, have a quote, but um, what, and Seabrooks was saying about, you know, like the tick, the ticket pricing and all the events and stuff that they do, and not even just the events that they do, but just, I don't know, like, all I, like I said, when I first started even thinking about this stuff, and this was like, you know, maybe, how am I, maybe like five or six years ago, when I first started seeing, you know, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris and all of them, that was pretty much what I saw besides Ayan Hirsi Ali. I didn't even really hear about Sikhi Hutchinson until a couple of years ago. And all I saw was, you know, these four white guys and this, you know, one black woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, people see that and they, you know, like they all have money and they're obviously they all have means. They all have the, um, they're the, they're the faces and you don't see a whole lot of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it doesn't really, it doesn't here. really feel inclusive. But you know, right. if I jump in here, am I on mute still? No, no, no. I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. So, you know, to answer that question, I'm going to answer it from a two-pronged perspective. Um, on, from the first perspective, yes, I feel that communities of color as well as, you know, economically disadvantaged and to a certain degree educationally disadvantaged people in this community are marginalized. 
you know, for a number of different reasons, because we have to remember that this community is built on top of meritocracy. You know, they herald that. And that's one of the reasons why we started People of Color Beyond Faith and why we're doing the monthly webcast and we're going to do the little conference for Valentine's Day weekend is because we want to give something back to the community because we know that there are, you know, um, atheists and non-believers of color out there, and we don't want them to feel as though they're not being represented. They want to see people who have similar experiences and understand the circumstances from which they come because, yes, you all are correct. You know, the poorest countries are some of the most religious countries, and, you know, we've seen that time after time, you know, and in the United States, you know, communities of color are usually more poverty-stricken, and, you know, you still have your poor white communities as well, and they tend to be highly religious also, but the thing Mm -hmm. about it is, you know, with communities of color, you know, um, tagging, you know, what Raina had said a minute ago, you know, the church is used as a community center. So not only do they go there to get their praise on or whatever, but they go there because there were federal government programs. Now, the people may not know it's a, you know, a government program. They think the church is paying their light bill or their gas bill. They don't know that the church is getting the food from the food depository. They don't know that. They just know when they need help that the church has always been the focal point of the community. And that's one of the reasons why I'm highly critical of the secular community because even though we are in our infancy, you know, I feel that these are things and programs and outreach and social justice that we need to start implementing. You know, we can start, you know, a food giveaway once a week. We can get an office space and go through the federal government to, you know, give assistance for gas and light. We can start therapy groups and have people come in and do group talk. All of these things. And basically, you know, we can start other businesses like, you know, you know, I've given some ideas on the show, but the thing is, is that, you know, for the people that are trying to eradicate religion and they're attacking the black church and they're trying to take the black church down, have they thought it out? Because if you, you know, take the black church down and that's not available anymore, where will the people go? Right. And not well, only that, very good I mean, there's. I was also going to say that not only that, Kim, but there's, you know, we, um, you know, we don't always talk about this a whole lot, but there's a serious libertarian streak in this community, and yeah. you know, even a number of the, you know, you know, top atheists, shall we say, are, you know, <laughs> are avowed libertarians. Yeah. You know, so we have to it, keep that yeah, in mind. Yeah, that is as well. a huge issue as well. I, um, which brings me to another point, um, actually, wait, that I wanted to ask you guys. Wait, Do wait, wait, feel wait. I, yeah. Oh, I wanted to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, please go ahead. Go ahead, hon. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted to um, touch on something because Kim kind of uh, touched on it, like she tapped on it, when she talked about the educationally marginalized. And I think, and I think that's the other part of this, right? I mean, the 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 title of that article, for example, was that it was a luxury. Atheism, atheism is a luxury. You know what I mean for the rich, and that's kind of. That's, I kind of I don't I don't fully agree with that, and the reason for that is, and I'm going back to the article. And I'm going to go back to what Kim, a point Kim made about uh-huh. the educationally marginalized. Um, I don't fully agree with that because I felt like we were I felt like with that it's sort of copping out. Like it's it's almost to me it was like saying that um, this is uh, being an atheist is some sort of luxury when it really shouldn't be a luxury, right? I mean, you talk about the, the poor and the educationally marginalized, I mean, that overlaps quite heavily. 
And I believe that even even in our communities, we can be guilty of educationally marginalizing people. I read a lot of articles, you know, even in the uh, people of even uh, from people of color in the secular community and the humanist community. And I really believe that it excludes a lot of people who may not be able to understand a lot of the terms that are used and a lot of the um, a lot of the concepts that are brought forth. I mean, there are things that I know because I went to college, and these are terms that I use in sociology. But, you know, if you have, if you never went to college or maybe you didn't finish high school but you still have doubts about religion, you, you, you can't even fully understand some of these articles. You can't even fully understand some of these conversations. I struggle with these conversations because I don't necessarily well, – that's, well, well, that's, that's the reason, reason why we have shows like this. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that's the reason why we have these shows so that we can break it down in everyday terms so that people can understand. That's why we give our information out and tell them to contact because all of the people here are touchable. And when I get inboxes and emails, I respond. Right. Okay, and I, well, just lead me to I, the next question, actually. Um, I don't mean to cut you guys off. I really want to get to this question before I forget. Um, do you guys feel that, you know, with all the libertarianism and, um, you know, and this is not a bad thing, rampant intellectualism in the atheist and free thought community, that it can be intimidating to people who, um, like, it can be intellectually elitist. Um, Brooks, I'm going to let you answer that question first since you haven't had a chance to answer. Do you think that the atheist community is intellectually elitist, and this may be a turnoff to other black um, people who may um, see the merit in it, but, you know, don't want to associate themselves with something that seems so, what's the word I'm looking for, bourgeois or bougie? Uh, I would I would say so. I think there's, there's definitely a level of uh, intellectual elitism uh, prevalent in this community, especially because of how so many, I guess, non-believers are so hype over, you know, they 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 like to, that's what I'm looking for, they like to hit home uh, certain buzzwords like, you know, logic and and reason and and a lot, I think a, a lot of the folks um, in this community especially don't seem to understand that, that, and I think Kim and Raina and Vita all kind of touched on this in the last question, um, they all have a certain level of privilege as far as their education is concerned. And it's because, because they're lucky enough to, I guess, understand a lot of these articles and understand the terminology and whatnot, they, they, they seem to kind of, what's the, I feel like I'm rambling. Um, no, it's okay. Because <laughs> I'm not, I have like a million thoughts going on right now. Um, yeah, I do think there's a level of intellectual elitism that goes on in this community. Yeah, yeah give me a second. I'm going to try to get this together. I mean, personally, I, um, I've seen a lot of people, um, you know, in different forms and different threads kind of get off on calling people, even other atheists, um, ignorant or um, uneducated or stupid as kind of a way to bolster themselves up. And I think that is a huge issue where, um, you know, um, I've seen a lot of atheists resort to personal attacks and attacking specifically a person's um, intellect. Um, Noah, how do you feel about it? I am, as far as, like, you know, atheism marginalizing people who aren't rich and white, Mm -hmm. I think that, um, in a way... It, I mean, we do that, but, I mean, the whole society does that. So it's not surprising that it goes into atheism. A lot of people think that 
when you're an atheist, you're automatically enlightened and you're automatically smarter than everybody else. It's just, you know, you discovered this thing and everybody else is just doing this other thing. <laughs> and no, so, you make an excellent point. You mean, atheists, atheists aren't removed from the rest of society, so. Yeah, but they just because you think yourself into that point doesn't mean that you thought through all of your other positions. You know, it doesn't mean that you're automatically above, but some people feel that way. And, you know, things like this, just like, you know, with feminism and all those other movements, it kind of gets to this point where, you know, other people get their hands on it and it becomes academic. It becomes wrapped up in all of this jargon. And, you know, I guess everything, it becomes theories rather than practice. Raina, um, I wanted to ask you specifically about the question of intellectual elitism. Do you think that that is a problem in the atheist community? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have do. to ask the most educated no. person on the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's funny as hell that you asked me that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think there, is. and I think, and I, and you know, I'm not even going to um, lie and say that I've not engaged in that in the past. Um, and I think some people have accused me yep. of that even when I wasn't doing that. Um, you know, um, you know, and then there's also, you know, there's also a certain, uh, a certain amount of sensitivity that certain people have when they haven't, you know, necessarily had as much education as you have. So even if you don't, you know, allude to the fact that you happen to know something that they don't know, that they take it personally. Um, oh, so that happens I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there yeah. where, you know, you might, you might say yeah. something, and especially if you're younger than that person, too. And, um, yeah. you know, the insecurity complexes are run rampant, especially when you're dealing with um, secularists who feel, like like Noah said, enlightened about the fact that they no longer believe in God. This person doesn't, might be even more um, more hesitant than a religious person to admit that they don't know something. Yeah. So if they feel yeah. like you're telling them that they don't know something, even if you're not blatantly saying that, then it already causes an issue. Yeah, and you know, and and then there's a whole there's like a whole another set of like things that I think goes on with, you know, the way some certain folks perceive me. But I certainly think that there is um, that some of that is just um, I can't. I, it's like it's like contagious. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like even if you avoid you know trying to come off that way, there's mm-hmm. something about this community that it, it sort of it sort of permeates. So that at some point you're going to find yourself doing that. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to check yourself from time to time. And Kim, just, how do you just feel? So that you don't oh, I'm do sorry. That. I didn't mean to cut you off, Raina. I'm sorry. No, it's I fine. It's fine. Kim wanted to say something about that. Do you think that there's a, 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 you know, a, a culture of intellectual um, elitism in the free thought community, Kim? Oh, yes, most definitely. And I've said on the show before that, some of the people that have moved over to this side of the equation, from the religious side of the equation to the secular side of the equation, you know, whether they're uneducated, undereducated, or highly educated, the thing is is that when they come over here, they believe that now that they're an atheist, that they're automatically superior to the believers. Mm -hmm. And I've had Mm -hmm. to break it down, and I'm like, just because you are now an atheist, that does not make you an intellectual. And one of the issues that I have is, you know, because, I mean, we've all been there. I've trolled. 
You know, many, mm-hmm. many years ago, I trolled, and it was fun, okay? And, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trolling can be quite enjoyable. It's quite therapeutic. Right. Uh-huh. Right, right. You know, and I've been the angry atheist, and I've, I've, you know, the whole shebang. But, you know, now that, you know, I've grown and evolved into my humanism, if you will, you know, I just kind of take a more gentler, a more compassionate, a more understanding approach. But in addition to me taking that type of stance, I've also been educated. I've been educated Mm -hmm. by other atheists. I've been reading the books. I've been educated in that respect. And Noah hit it on the mark. You know, I have moved from theory to practicality, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as, like, my approach to social justice and my approach to people in general. And that's the thing, because when you have other atheists out here antagonizing believers as well as other non-believers, you know, we have to come in and try to do damage control because, you know, people are automatically going to be on the defense. So we have to get through that barrier first to get them to listen and to trust us. And the thing is, I have no problem saying that I don't know something. Let me look it up or go talk to this person, and they can help you with that. There is no shame in not knowing. And this is why, you know, I say a lot of people aren't realizing that they're bringing a lot of that groupthink and religiosity over to this side of the equation. And I always contrast. I do comparative analysis about this stuff all the time because I'm like, you know, you think you're not doing this, but you're doing the same thing as the preachers. You know, like some of these preachers make a career of being in a ministry. You got people in the atheist community trying to make a career of atheism. The same shit. Professional atheists. That's right. To answer my own question (laughs) about um, intellectual elitism, um, hold on, um, because I really wanted to get this thought out here. Um, What you just mentioned about, you know, um, herd mentality um, and falling into the same traps that that people fall into when they're they're immersed in religious life is actually the reason why I've never read the works of any atheist ever. I've never read a book by, by yes, an atheist. Actually, no, 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 that's, that's a lie. I read Nomad, which is pretty much a story of Ayan Hirsi Ali's upbringing um, between Kenya and Somalia as a Muslim um, girl, a Muslim African. And But, again, that wasn't exactly a book about atheists. It was a book about her life. But I've never read the works of any popular atheist with the exception of that book. And the reason why I didn't, is because I felt that I I was I was really fresh out of religion and very upset by what I felt had been a lifelong deception and a, a generational deception. And uh-huh. the Catholic Church works in a hierarchy of you don't question anything that the Pope says. Before even God, um, Catholics pledge allegiance to the Pope. And I felt that um, people are very, very prone to fall into the same patterns. And I see, I saw and I still see a lot of atheists falling into the trap of rallying behind popular atheists. They don't even have to be the ones that are internationally known, but whoever's popular at the moment, they'll kind of rally behind yeah. that person and promote yep. that person, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't want to fall into that trap. I wanted to really really think through why I didn't believe anymore and how I was going to live my life that based myself. on that instead of just parodying yeah. Parroting everything that popular atheist said. Absolutely. I mean, there's some atheists that I first met. Hey, uh, like pretty much every thread I was on with them, everything that came out of their mouth was a direct quote from Sam Harris or Richard Dawkins. And they would actually oh, oh, don't you hate that? Oh, oh, yeah. that, was, that was the thing. I, I, I admit <laughs> that. I, go ahead, Mario. Go, baby, and I'll go after you. All right, that's right. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> when I originally became came out, and I'm, you know, I before I even got into the atheist community, I already had these thoughts in my head. So when I finally came out and everything, I'm seeing all this stuff, and people were trumpeting about the four horsemen and everything. I didn't really know who they were, and so as I as I'm being told about all these books that I that I read and everything, everybody's bragging about what they've read and everything, and I'm seeing memes pop up over Facebook, and I'm seeing quotations pop, pop up over Facebook with these guys' faces and everything like that, and I'm starting to get this feeling like, well, if I don't believe in God and that's all I need to do, then why do I need to read these guys' books? You know, exactly. and that's one of the reasons. And so I need I start, to follow the I, gospel on how not to believe. And I well, never yeah, read the books. I never read the books. I never followed anybody. I don't. When I, I stopped going to the atheist community, I mean, atheist convention, because I'm already there. I've already established the fact that I don't believe in God. I don't need a yearly infusion of it. I might go to some exactly. things like I, if there's. Yeah, go ahead, Kim. Oh, baby, uh, I so, no, I'm, uh, you're right there with it. You're, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I think we forget 
that we're not talking to everybody's not on not everybody has had the same experiences that we've had. And so we tend to talk them, you know, the way that we've always communicated with people that are around us, right? We tend to flock right. to other people who are also, you know, intellectuals or also educated or also, you know, all those so we tend to flock to those people and we're used to talking to each other. Like I'm used to talking to M or I'm used to talk you know what I mean? And then when I go outside of my house you know, I live in I live in South Central. I look outside of my house. I talk to you know a friend of mine. He doesn't believe in God either. So when I try to talk to him about the same things that I might talk to him about, he he doesn't fully understand me. And I have to or I have to go back and explain all these other things before I get up to where you know, yes. if I can get him to where we're on the same thing. And I have to catch myself, and it's very difficult times even for ourselves. And um and I and I, I don't think it's always conscious. I don't think it's always purposeful, but it it's definitely happening and as far as you know reading all of these um you know people reading like sam harris and richard dawkins and quoting them like it's a religion i thought that was really funny when kim brought that up because i've seen that yeah. i've only seen that on the internet <laughs> you know yeah, but see, this, this is my this is my coming out because i think i mentioned it to one friend before that i'd never read any of these books and he was like flabbergasted that i never read any of these books and apparently like my atheist car was going to get revoked because I've never read a Sam Harris book. But the way I felt about it, is there are way too many people quoting these people and way too many people adopting their everything, their politics, their views on community and society, and not thinking for themselves. And, you know, Vita mentioned privilege, and the fact of the matter is not every atheist has the privilege of being a rich white man from an educated family that Dawkins and, and Harris do. You right. need to consider, I think that everybody should consider their non-belief and how it relates to their own life and their own community. Whatever I'm a, his whatever their ideas were on politics, on community, on other religions, you know, very little of that could impact me as a black female immigrant living in the United States. I'm going to be real. You know what, and I'm a... I'm a I feel you 100%, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I honestly, if it weren't for the fact that Black Skeptics has, we have a book club, and I'm on the committee, I wouldn't have read that shit either. I'm serious. Right. You know? And I, I'm just saying, like, you know, the only books that I really enjoyed that, that were atheist books, quote-unquote atheist books, were Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson, because she talks about things that I understand, that I related to, in the sense that she's right. talking about, Actually, so well, yeah, that's how I felt when I read Nomad by Ayan Hirsi uh, um, Ali. Not that, you know, I've been a Muslim, but, you know, I understood what it was like to be caught in the groups of a religion and, you know, being a black woman as a nonbeliever. And, again, she's talking about her life. Um, you know, when, you're telling, when you have books that are centered around critical thinking, but you infuse your own thinking into them, you're not really teaching people how to think critically. You're teaching them how to think like you. And I really didn't want to follow that. That's all that is. your ego. Look at how smart I am because I'm an atheist. I mean, that's really what that is. Because I've seen Sam Harris's interviews. He's a fucking. I'm, I'm, I mean, he's not a horrible human being. I don't know. I don't know the man. But whenever I see his interviews, it's still. It's, and even Bill Maher himself. Like when he's on Bill Maher or whatever, and I see um, that they're talking. It's such an arrogant. Um, like oh, these pompous people who believe in these ridiculous yes. things, as opposed to you know, as opposed to having. I, I remember I was interviewed on a, for a radio show in New York, and they had called me and they really wanted me to throw black atheists under the, I mean, black religious people under the bus, right? And I didn't. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I think I shared this uh, with you, and I'm not sure, but um, I was on the interview for this for this. Uh, thing, and they start asking about basically why black people were so religious and all this stuff, and they really oh, yeah, wanted the way that, that they were. Yeah, the way they were feeding me the questions was more like they were trying to get me to say, yeah, black people, like, kind of just throw us under the bus. Like, oh, we're just ignorant and we're just, you know, people are just, you know, 
they don't know any better and blah, 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 blah. And I, I knew that that's where they wanted me to go, and I didn't take it there. And I took it straight you know, to, and I started, 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 arrogance that you know, perhaps Harris or, or Dawkins would have, you have atheists like Bill Maher, you have atheists like Stephen Corbett, um, who are, you know, really personable and agreeable and likable, and they're still intelligent without being, you know, self-righteous about it. You even have Dusty, when he first started making videos on YouTube, he was quite humble, and I guess the YouTube thing kind of got to his head. But before, he was a pretty humble guy from Mississippi who called himself the people's atheist. And I think with a lot of these guys, it's not just a level of intellectual elitism, because you definitely can't say that in Dusty's case, but popularity that, you know, makes their ego swell. <laughs> Mario, Ooh, that was a dig. Mario's kind of quiet back there. Dusty's not dumb. I'm not saying that, you guys. I'm not trying to throw the dude under the bus like he's a dumbass. He's a, he's a smart guy, but he's not as educated as Dr. or Harris would be. Right. I think Mario had something to say. Mario? Yeah. Oh. Um. Y- y'all know me. I didn't too much trip about the old the dusty thing. But um, as far as everything everybody else is going is, I don't see I don't see the need to. I mean, I think that we have a habit of find we have a habit of following behind people who are the most vocal, who speak our mind the the, the most the, the clearest, who come out of nowhere and they say the things that we're thinking, but we're afraid. We don't have the, the gumption to get up there and say these things. You know, you, and in, in some respects, you do need people like Hitchens and Dawkins, and even to some extent, you need somebody like Dusty and then Jeremiah Kamara and all the stuff. You need these people. These people have their problems. They have their issues. They have their failings. They have their problems. I don't agree with any, with everything on either one of them. I might not even like most of them. But when you have that asshole that can get out there and say all this shit, it at least gets some dialogue started and something something going on and whatnot. And um, but at the same time, we tend to grab, we tend to follow behind these people and act like these people can't be wrong about something and that they can't make mistakes and that they cannot be challenged. And that we're supposed to, because we're atheists and they're out there spearheading the movement, that we can't disagree with them. And right. that's mm-hmm. when we begin to get these mini cults going on and stuff, and people uh-huh. falling behind people. Uh, and Brooks stuff. has been and awfully silent. Um, um, I know he right. was just going to say something. Um, but how do you feel about it? Oh, crap. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Sorry. I have, to, I have my phone <laughs> on mute. I'm doing laundry. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, how do I feel as far as Dusty's concerned or just as far as the, the intellectual No, leadership? no, no, no. We're, it's definitely not a matter of him, but how do you feel about um, maybe um, some of the cultish aspects of the free thought community? Do you think they, they would have a negative effect if we did have more black free thinkers? 
I mean, I don't know. I'm not really a big fan. I'm just like everyone else. I'm not really a big fan of all of the mainstream, you know, all of the, the Four Horsemen or any of, or even some of the YouTube ones. I mean, when I first kind of get, became a part of this community, I've been an atheist since I was 14. Um, but I didn't really jump into anything until maybe until I was around like 17, 18 years old when I kind of was able to get away from my parents and get away from uh, all the religious people I knew for the most part. And when I met people online, mostly online, who were non-believers, I, I, it almost felt like to, to be a non-believer in any form or capacity, like you had to have read some Dawkins, you had to be able to quote Bill Maher, you you had to be all these things, and, and you know, I tried it, I read The God Delusion, uh, it took me about, like, a year, because it wasn't, it didn't really grab me, and a lot of the stuff that was in the book I didn't really understand, um, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I tried it, and it didn't, like I said, it, it didn't really, it didn't really grab me, and it, What's, what's interesting, and a few of you touched on it earlier, is is exact is the way that a lot of people do act. Like you, you have to be able to quote these guys verbatim. You have to be a fan of these guys. It's like it's like I'll post something on Facebook and I'll say, you know, I don't give a shit about Richard Dawkins or anything he has to say, and I'll get a bunch of likes, and then I'll get that one person like, what's wrong? Dawkins is great. He's he's awesome. He speaks for everybody. What's wrong? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I, you know, he doesn't he doesn't speak to me, you know. I, you know, I was yeah. I was lucky enough. I went to college, you know. I, I I'm I'm pretty I'm I consider myself a pretty smart guy, but mm-hmm. he he didn't grab me. And I and I know that there's other people, you know, there's other people who also feel like I do. Okay. And I, I just think it's da- I think it's really dangerous if this community wants to kind of pride itself on being not like. The other side, I guess, if you will, they got to, you know, they got to get away from this kind of group thinking, right. if you will. All right, let me move on to our next discussion question, please. Um, why do you think um, atheists of color, particularly black free thinkers, should have our own spaces? Do you think that um, ethnicity-based groups um, are healthy or a form of self-separation? Extremely healthy. No. Healthy. Extreme, yeah. Nothing but healthy. As long as, you, yeah, as long as you guys, yeah, as long as you guys aren't like you know preaching supremacy or like you know something crazy like that, or, or right. calling for genocide or something, you know. Peace <laughs> <laughs> for blackness. Man, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's healthy. It's like oats and grains. You need it in your life. I'm sorry. I just, I, <laughs> oats and grains. I love. She's trying to get her fiber, guys. I'm <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Oh, I think, I think uh, fruits, vegetables, spinach, whatever you want to call it. I love this. I'm gonna tell you. I, I like I said, I've only been a part of a of a black group, and I, I'm a, I love it with so much because they get it. You know what I mean? Talking to someone who is from the same community and they have the same vision, and maybe the, and maybe they may not have started out. You know, we maybe we didn't start out on the same page, but. Once we start to share our stories and our experiences, we start to see how much we actually relate. And, and I've talked to white atheists, and it's very different. It's a very mm-hmm. different conversation. It's a very different type of community. And I love the fact, I mean, these spaces, I think, are extremely healthy and extremely helpful. Because sometimes, you know, you go out to the world and you have to deal with all this, you know, oppression and just racism. And it's good to be able to go to another, to a group of people 
who get you, you know, and on every aspect, not just because you don't believe in God, but because right. they understand, they understand, they understand all the other the other aspects, you know, of, of our shared experiences. So I mm-hmm. think it's extremely healthy. It's nothing but healthy for me because I felt alone for a very long time. I don't really, I mean, I, maybe it's because LA is pretty segregated, but I don't really relate or socialize a lot with white people. Not because I'm trying not to. I just, it's just, I live in South Central. Ain't too many white folks coming down here. You know, that we're necessarily like self segregating. It's like and some of our, the community I mean, thinking about just how this country is in terms of economics and, and, and race. I mean, race is place. You know what I mean? So just just mm-hmm. to Statistically speaking, most of us who are brown and black are not going to live near anywhere where we're going to encounter white people on a on a on a usual basis, you know. And certainly, in some of our cases, some of them are certainly not coming to our communities, you know, based upon certain class or even race prejudices that they might have. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this idea I that think... you know that, that just by putting <clears throat> black in our names or brown in our names or you know Asian or whatever in our names. That we're, um, you know, we're separatists and that we're, really? you know, we're racist is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. Really quickly, I want Noah to get her um to get a comment across. I know she's been trying to say something. Okay. I'm shy in groups, you guys. Um, okay. <laughs> I think that I think that it's healthy for us to have our own spaces, simply because. A lot of the things we would want to talk about or address get kind of shut down in, like, wide open popular culture. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this. There's, like, this trend in culture that's, like, we're colorblind or we're, like, post-black or something. I don't know what that's about. But oh, yeah. last time I checked, I'm, like, super poor right now. And a lot of my friends <laughs> are, like, unemployed or jobless. And those are things that we need to talk about that affect our communities the worst. And I feel like having a group that is, you know, having our groups like that, it's not really like separatism. I mean, it's not like we're preaching like, you know, let's go have our own island, let's go buy our own stuff and like start a revolution like that, you know. But like I feel like having our own spaces is good. I mean, we can connect on other levels with other groups as far as, like, humanism and stuff. But I just feel like having a support group with somebody who comes from your own culture is 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 great. I mean, the only other the only group I was ever really a part of was the Black Atheist group on Facebook. So that like, all I know is mm-hmm. Black Atheist groups. Just like, um, uh, who said that? I, so many Vita. boys are found alike on Vita here. Vita said that. Vita said that. Vita said that. Okay. No, you know, I couldn't I remember. Vita, Vita said it right now. Than everyone you know else. I, mean, I do um, understand. Did you... Hold on. Oh, did he want to? What? Oh, no, okay. Um, no, did he want to speak? Okay. Um, what I was about to say is that I have a pretty different perspective on that because I was raised in South Florida, which is a melting pot of cultural diversity. I meet people of different ethnic groups all day, every day. Um, pretty, pretty fairly equal numbers living in South Florida. Um, because and uh, you know I didn't. I mean, unless you go to Little Haiti or Little Havana, you where you meet exclusively um, um, Cubans or exclusively um, Haitians and Black people, you're going to be immersed with all kinds of cultures: Guyanese, Caribbean, South American, European, etc. But um, on the flip side of that, you know, even when I joined Black atheist groups, 
I still felt very much a minority until I realized there were other Haitian atheists. And I think it goes back to what Vita was saying about community and having things in common with people. I would still have more in common with the average black religious person than I would with the average white white atheist. And, you know, when I meet specifically a Haitian who's Haitian, because the way the Haitians view culture, view religion is so vastly different than the average black person living in America, it just takes it up a notch where it's like, oh, my God, where have you been all my life? You're my kindred spirit. You get it. <laughs> and, you, know, you, know, you just want to be around for, somebody for, who gets it. <laughs> for for me, for me, it's uh, it's an odd, odd experience because, I was in middle school and high school. I was always to myself. I never really fit in any one of the groups of people, you know, no matter who they were. I never really found a group. So when I find myself in these atheist groups, and like I said, Ben was the first atheist group I was in, and since then I've been in others. I've been to other white, uh, 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 predominantly white uh, groups. They don't say that they're white groups, but when you go to the meetings, predominantly white. There, is, there are differences, and there is a feeling that I have, there is a feeling of of being kind of an outsider that I felt among, at, at those meetings that I did not feel when I was at, uh, uh, you know, uh, meetings with people of color. That being said, though, even in those settings, I have felt like I was outcast or as a person that just didn't quite fit in. But it was a difference, you know. It's, it's, it's almost like... When I'm with the quote-unquote white atheist, I feel as though maybe I shouldn't be here or maybe they're trying to be nice and include me, whereas when I'm with more black atheists, I feel like I would probably not really talk to these people either way I go. You know, um, there's nothing mm-hmm. – I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hang with these people outside of this group here. We're only here because of a shared interest, you know, a shared idea. Mm-hmm. And everything, and it's, I, I think that comes back from the fact that I just, you know, I just kind of keep myself most of the time anyway. Mhm. I think I think we're, yeah. I think I understand what you're saying because, um, you know, as a kid I was pretty much a, a, a loner myself, and but being around other black kids, um, you know, you feel okay, you're different. But then when you're around a group of predominantly white people, you're not just different; you're the other. And I think right. I think nobody wants to feel like the token black person. And if you don't know what the token right. black person is, you obviously failed to watch any of the teen rom-coms that came out in the 90s and you need to get your life. But every single one of those movies had a token black person. They had the black best friend sidekick who was the only black person in the movie and probably the only black person in that, that fictionalized school setting. Nobody wants to be that person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I wanted to jump in there too because um, I, I'm also—I mean, I've, I've been a part of groups. I, I, well, I won't say diverse. Well, a little bit different. So online, right? There's black, uh, the black atheist group, and you know, and there's black non-believers, and there's black this and black. I know different groups, and um, I found that you know I can talk more about things in those spaces than I could in groups that were more diverse. Because I, I was like, it was like a, it, maybe not so much in uh, some of the bigger groups, but even in some of the smaller black atheist groups, um, I felt like it was more of a space for me to talk about social justice issues and I could talk about racism, not just about 
atheism, not just about, you know, science, but we could also talk about, you know, um, what is like the, the Zimmerman trial, or we could talk about, you know, and have sort of a shared or at least somewhat, not, not say that we're a monolith because we aren't, but the perspective is definitely different. Man, and also that being, trial really exposed, I, I don't want to cut, cut into you, but that trial really exposed a lot of the underlying racism in the free thought community. Right. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I was in, I was in a group that was, you know, died, died in space, and it, supposedly, and it ended up turning into people of color versus all the white people. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> exactly. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I then, be in and then I don't even want to talk to these white. You look like the angry. You look like the angry black person. Well, regardless of what I you say or how you say it, you're going to be perceived as the angry black person. You yep. can say, I love puppies and I hug them all day. Oh, she's going to squeeze the puppy to death, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. and while they're trying to make it out like you're wrong for um, talking about these things, it's like, oh, well, you're trying to divide people. What? Oh, yeah, or what they'll say, or they'll say you only Yeah, I was going to say, or they'll say, or they'll say something like you, you only choose to see race. It's like, um, sorry. I'm pretty sure you said coon. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm not. And there are benefits um, to that. There was a spaces. point that there was a point that Noah brought up where um, a lot, well, a lot of of our society these days, and it's not just the atheist community, but at large, wants to play this game like it's there's color blindness every time black issues come up. Latino exactly. issues come up fine. Jewish issues come Bingo. up fine. Um, um, gay rights issues come up fine, but as soon as black people have an issue, why are you starting trouble? Why are you making everything no. about race? And it's like, really? Yo, Kim, we need an organ right now. Because right. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> Evelyn just took us to church. Yeah, but I mean, she's absolutely 100% correct about that. And that's the reason why we've been talking about some of these things, because we do right. need a safe space for, you know, people of color. And, you know, one of the issues that I've seen, you know, is, you know, no, we, see, what we're trying to do as far as, like, the social justice, because with many of us that's intertwined with these organizations, I don't see a lot of diversity, a lot of participation or interest from a lot of the white atheists because we have different experiences. A lot of what we're trying to work on and push forward, they don't have to worry about that. You know, many of them have established wealth. Well, over here, many of us, you know, whether it's us or people in our family, trying to figure out how they're going to feed their children, how they're going to pay their rent. The car just broke. Damn, I got to catch the bus to work, which means I got to leave an hour earlier, which means I got to give the kid a key and tell the neighbor to make sure he or she gets off on time. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's it's a whole different set of issues, and you know many of them have no interest in social justice in regards to the black community. Now, some of them have um, social justice interests. Pardon? That's uh, they don't even have an interest in even just listening to us. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that I'm sorry to see. Exactly. You know, you don't know, you're right. You open your mouth, you're going to get shut down, or your words are going to be twisted. But the thing is, is that I'm not only seeing that with, you know, certain white atheists, I see that with certain black atheists. We will say one oh. thing because, you know, I had one that came after me big time until I threatened to sue her goofy ass. Um, <laughs> would take everything that I... 
you know, to take everything that I said and try to twist it and then wanted to say that I was the one being divisive. And I was like, Mitch, you found me. You know what I mean? Right. You know, yeah, like, and not only and not only did she find her, but she was ethically wrong. And it was and and the funny thing about it is, it's like, why would you think that you could get away with that? Because this is Twitter. Everything is there. It is in the wow. same thread. All they have to do is scroll yep. up. This you know? is crazy. Um, Noah, hold on. Noah wanted to um, make a point. Um, what did you have to say? I thought Brooks was going to talk. I don't know. I'm scared now. No, you um, got it. Oh. I'll, I'll come in after you. <laughs> I was trying to piggyback off of what Kim had. I, I, all you guys voiced on the same, but I think it was Kim who was talking. Last, that was Kim. Um, and, and talking about, um, you know, the that we have different experiences and and such and such. And I don't know if I worded it properly, but I remember asking a question in black novelists and in black atheists about, like, you know, are the do people think our focus is different as far as, like, you know, I see a lot of once, you know, we kind of graduate to a certain point with our um, non-belief or whatever, we go, we start, start to lean toward maybe social justice or humanism, whereas mainstream, mainstream atheism tends to focus more on issues of secularism or creationism versus evolution and science-based issues. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that the focus seems to be different. Right. Right. I think I think what it is, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think it is. I'll tell you why I think that is, because I think a bunch of us get into this community. We hear the we are Africans thing, and you know everybody oh, talking boy. about inclusivity and whatnot, and we get and we get and we get uh, we get blinded, and then yeah. one day we remember I'm black. You know what I mean? When I, when I go home, when I go home, I still live in X Y Z neighborhood. When I put my name on this particular, you know, on this application, you know what I mean? All sorts of assumptions are made already. I don't know about the rest of my oh, name. I, y'all can't lump me in that category, you guys, because I look European on paper. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, no, I mean, no, I'm not. Hey, I'm hey, I'm, hey, you know what I mean? I'm talking about a wide range of issues, not specific to me. Obviously, my name is.
Sorry about that. Yeah, but no, Brooks wanted to say something, and then I'll come after Brooks. Go ahead, Brooks. Yeah. Well, before I say my point, I feel like Charlie Brown with the football right now. I'm trying to speak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so every, every time we get close, well, there goes that. In any case, <laughs> my, the only thing I really wanted to say is that um, I feel like everything that we've previously been discussing just now is exactly – why we need these groups in the first place. For the simple fact that if we let mainstream, these mainstream atheist groups dictate the conversation, issue, the issues that directly affect us will never, ever get brought to the forefront. They'll never even be exactly. part of the conversation, and they'll never, ever be seen as important. Exactly. Are, are you done? I didn't want to jump in too fast. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Wait no turn. But I will give you all two real-life, you know, examples of that. The first example was when the Zimmerman trial verdict and how not one atheist mainstream organization made a statement about that. Not one. There was a dead silence. But there were some um, atheist YouTubers that called us whiners and told us to get over it. You understand? And then when the Supreme Court, you know, made the ruling, you know, about, um, you know, made the ruling and, you know, about the voting rights, only one mainstream organization made a statement, and that was the American mm-hmm. Humanist Association. But the very next day, when marriage equality became, you know, when the Supreme Court voted for or ruled for marriage equality, every organization has something to say about it. And to me, that's mm-hmm. telling. And then, then they act like they don't understand, you know, why we have our own organizations, our own groups, and why we associate with one another. And I'm going to tie that into something you all were talking about earlier, about the cult of personality. That is happening mm-hmm. over here, but it's, we're still in our infancy, and that's the reason why I'm saying we need to bring it to the forefront now so that, you know, 100 years from now, our great-great-grandchildren won't be like, you know, you know, atheism is a religion because in certain circles that's what it's turning into and that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Next question. And I'm gonna let Brooke speak first because he's just getting overrun by you guys. Oh, poor okay. thing. Thank you. <laughs> Mario and give Mario a turn too. So Brooke, Thank Mario you. and Noah. Bring out Mario, you can speak after Brooke. All right. <laughs> And this is directly tied to the last question. Have you personally experienced or dealt with racism in the free thought community, and how have you dealt with it? Hmm. Offhand, I mean, offhand, I can't, I'm not really sure I have an exact experience. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I personally have had an experience. I've, I've, I've witnessed it in, in some of these various groups, but I personally haven't. I don't, I don't have an experience uh, as far as the community is concerned. Okay. Do you feel that there is a culture or a subculture of um, of um, respectability po- politics or passive-aggressive racism in the free thought community? Oh, hell yeah. You get props all the time for not being like those blacks over there. You know, <laughs> it almost seems like you're the shiny, you're the shiny new toy to a lot of a lot of the atheists in, in some of these groups because they're like, you know, they're like, oh my God, you're not like these other black people. Why, you know, black people are so religious and you're not. You know, you're you're the fucking holy grail of, of minorities right here. 
So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, fortunately, that is, uh, 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 I think that's something that's not ingrained specifically in free thought culture, but in American culture as a whole, the educated yep. black person is seen as some sort of like enigma, like a rare unicorn. Or you're a novelty. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're like the last unicorn, and they're training you, and they're trying to find you for the never-ending story. I don't know. I'm sorry, 80s reference gone too far, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Mario, have you had to experience any racism in the free thought community? Oh, I can I can talk. Okay, um, this, this is a big <laughs> moment for me. Oh. You could um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, uh, only thing I've uh, really experienced is in certain groups that are predominantly white. I know it's a, a very different attitude, and a lot of times... They don't get it. You know, there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that they don't get because we, they do not um, share our experience and our our problems and whatnot. What was the second question? Um, actually, um, the best. The, I, I don't want to cut you off, but actually, um, this reminds me of something Kim said about no prominent um, um, atheists coming out about the Trayvon Martin verdict. Um, one of the up and coming um, black atheists on YouTube that I follow, um, his name is Andre Oliver. And um, his channel is called Generation um, um, Zero, Zero spelled X-E-X-O. He actually did speak about the Trayvon Martin verdict. And um, everyone heard about the recent fiasco with Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty and how everyone was saying, you know, um, um, he was right to get his show taken off air because he was um, being homophobic and making very um, crass, violent statements about gay people. But this man also said um, equally racist statements, um, one of which included um, this very ignorant statement about black people having been happier before civil rights. And no one one spoke up against that, and no one had anything to say about that, and they kept saying, going on and on about he was a homophobe, but no one mentioned how he was also a racist. And I remember Andre put up the status on Facebook. Goddamn thing. Andre put up the status on Facebook, and it said, um, 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 oh, this guy is mad. Uh, this guy hates gays. Lynch him. Oh, this guy hates blacks. Shut the fuck up, N-word. And, you know, he, he has a very inflammatory post, but it was an excellent point. Everyone else's issue, and I'm not trying to say that the gay rights issue isn't a serious issue. It is, and with good reason. It needs to be. It's a matter of equality and human rights. But it's like everybody else's rights and everyone else's problems are constantly highlighted over the problems of black people to the point where it's so constantly ignored and we're so constantly adamant to get our problems, um, you know, notified, you know, acknowledged and dealt with that we just look like we're nagging or nipping. Well, I, took, I, took I took two different approaches with that one. one. On one hand, you know, it's like, okay, there's another idiot saying a bunch of bullshit on the other hand, I'm looking at this. Okay, he's t- uh, all right. I read the whole article. I saw what he said. I also know about what he said about marrying a 15-year-old girl. So my thing mm. was, is like. Yeah, the guy's also, like, like, admitting that he's a pederast, and no one said anything right. about that either. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, like, so my thing was, is like this. All right, as long as he isn't insulting my group, it's free speech. As long as he's not insulting white people or, or something like that is free speech. When he's, when he's mm-hmm. assaults um, gay people, I mean, when he assaults gay people, it's cool. If he's insulting black people, well, we're not going to really or talk about it. Or if he's promoting rape culture, that's fine, too. Right, right. So, but as long as, long as he's not, 
long as he's not directly targeting my group, he has free free speech. If he'd have came out talking about um, white people in any kind of way and talking about white women or how uh, blue-collar white men in the Appalachian Mountains or something like that, it would have been a different story. But because he missed all that and he spoke about it. Gays who are people, it's easy for mainstream culture to hate gays, and it's easy to ignore um, the issues of black people, and it's easy to just 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 miss what he said about marrying fifteen year old girls. But I guess he didn't mean it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, right. And I'm pretty sure that most of those people that were co-signing what he was saying, and I don't want to say that if you don't have a problem with it, that you're just like him, but I feel that there is a, a huge um, underline of not necessarily active, but very passive race, um, um, you know, racism and promotion of rape culture and abuse of girls. You know, if he said something about sodomizing 15-year-old boys, that would still be making um, headlines today. But he's saying it's exactly. okay to marry a 15-year-old girl and nobody cares. If you said, you know, I think all the Jews should have been burned in that concentration camp, it would have been on the news today. But when he's talking about beating up gays, it's freedom of speech. Right. Exactly. 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 And, you know, a lot of this, you know, um, it's, it's a lot of that that happens in this community, whereas it's like, you know, okay, they're more focused on this because even with the Phil Robertson Duck Dynasty, the biggest uproar, and you're correct, was the fact that he made a slight against the LGBTQ community, and what he had said against the black community was totally ignored, and a couple of days is when it came out that, you know, he was a pederast, a febophile, you know what I mean? And Yeah, you know, all kinds of stuff came out of the work. Like, he's not, like, they're not really, um, you know, trying, they're emulating a culture that's not theirs, you know, they're not, um, I hate this term, hillbillies, they're not. They're, right. they're wasps, they're the same people that are championing for him, his, his freedom of speech, because he's one of them. He is not, you know, you know this low-born um, um, a poor American who made a fortune breeding ducks or whatever it is that they do. He he's 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 putting on a character for a television show, and the, exactly. the most people, the people that are supporting him are exactly like him. They're wasps living in America, completely ignorant to a lot of things that are going on. And I feel like in the United States, there's been such a history and a legacy of violent um, racist attacks toward Black people that simply because black people are no longer being lynched or at least not publicly and not in record numbers, they act like the racism is gone. Racism doesn't mean you have to be violent. Um, You you can be racist and not be violent. (laughs) Right, which is why when we talk about racism, we're talking about it on a more structural basis because, you know, you'll have these people running around saying we're all Africans or I'm colorblind or we live in a post-racial America, and they'll say, we gave you the civil rights bill and you can vote now and you can marry that white girl down the block. You know, and but the, the thing is, Kim, you know, Kim, 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 can I say something? Go ahead. I'm so sorry. I was going to say just the other day, because this just happened, somebody in one of the groups posted triumphantly that an atheist freed the slaves. He was referring to Abraham Lincoln. Now, I'm not sure that Abraham Lincoln was an atheist, but either way, I mean, even, you know, this admission that an atheist, you know, that a a white atheist is really what they were implying, you know what I mean, is is responsible for freeing the slaves. It's like, okay, but what about all the, (laughs) the, the white people, atheist and otherwise, 
who otherwise supported slavery. Exactly. You know what I mean? Even if that were true. Of course, we know it's not true. We know that the Emancipation Proclamation. But you already know what that is. I mean, we already yeah. That's thought, oh, but there are good white people. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, look, it's white people. There are people who the civil rights movement. White people did this. I'm going to be real with you guys. I think that white guilt is like 70% responsible for the passive racism that we still have in our culture. I think a lot of racism is perpetuated by white guilt to the point where this person feels so much unnecessary guilt um, over past um, racial injustices or very necessary guilt over current institutionalized racism that in order to alleviate that guilt, they deflect on the persons causing the guilt or who they feel is causing the guilt. You know, I think, Raina, you were the one who posted this article a while back on white women's tears. (laughs) And, um, you know, 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 um, the scenario pretty much goes like this. Um, A black woman is pretty much the only black person in the room, and a white woman in the room says something racist, the black woman calls her out on being racist. She starts crying. All the white people, all the other white people, particularly white men in the room, go to console the white woman um, because apparently she's the victim, and it's worse to be called a racist than you know actually be a racist. Um, and it's, right. it's, 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 it's that same culture where exactly. nowadays it's it's considered a greater crime to call someone a racist than for them to be a racist. Absolutely, which is exactly, <laughs> Let me give which you is another exactly what we saw we in the to example deal with Annie DeFranco. Hello? Yeah. One of the yeah, times, okay. Yeah, because I was trying to talk. Um, one of the examples that, you know, I wanted to point out, and this is blatant and this is obvious, and I'm sure many of us have experienced or we've seen it, we will post something you know, in a group, whether it's about an activity, an event that we're having, or we may just post anything, you know, some type of article, we will have people come out of the blue and attack us for having black in front of our name and call Mm. us racist and call us all of these different names and try to deflect and derail the conversation. And we get attacked on a continuous basis. I've been called all kinds of names. I, you know, get some of the strangest emails. You know, I've gotten a couple of scary emails. But the thing is, is that, you know, it happens all the time. And these are supposedly atheists. And then when you mention this, then they're like they demand evidence and you give it to them. Oh, but how do you know they were an atheist? How do you know they weren't? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they continuously put you on the defense or they try to. Yeah, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. I think, and I think a few of you guys may have seen this. There was. I think one of the um, most prominent posts on my page from last year um, was an open letter that I wrote. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but um, I wasn't being facetious at all. And it pretty much, and I'm paraphrasing, went, Dear white people, please stop telling black people to get over slavery. Some of you are 60 years out of Scotland, and you're still wearing kilts to weddings. Or, you know, the only thing Italian about you is a love for pasta, but you know, you're telling black people to get over slavery when we still have to live in a culture of institutionalized racism. And that, that, that threw me for a loop because I had some white people on my list who literally never spoke to me or never commented on my page, came out of the woodwork. Like, honestly, I was looking at my page like, you're alive? <laughs> like, these people right. are coming out of the woodwork, you know, with the, full of the white guilt. Oh, my God, you're calling black people out. You're being so racist. And I had one girl who tried to do the white woman, white woman tears with me, you know, um, boo-hooing, sobbing, 
saying, well, if you don't care about my feelings, how do you expect anyone to care about yours? And pretty much trying to hijack the post and make it about them. And as I said, these are people that never comment on anything else that I've ever written. I'm like, where did you come from? How do I even know you in some of these cases? And you're still alive (laughs) in some of the other cases. And it's like it's an occasion to try to absolve themselves of this guilt that they feel. And in the long run, all it does is cause more of that racial tension. Right, and Raina was going to say something. Go ahead, make your point, Raina. Hello, Raina. Raina. Sorry, I had myself muted. I, I'm sorry, I had myself <laughs> muted. Um, I, I I lost my point. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> next person can go. No, I was I talking think, about. I was, oh, go ahead, Mario. I think uh, no, I wanted to chime in too. Yes. Go ahead. Um. I was gonna chime in, but it was like several questions back. I don't know where I don't I don't know where we went. I don't. Um, I, we're I, here. <laughs> at, have you dealt with racism in the free thought community? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Back there. Okay. Let me just scroll up. Okay. What I was saying. What I was gonna say is that uh, I was gonna just like kind of piggyback a little bit, and I was gonna say that I mean I have seen. More rate, I mean, more sexism than anything, but I think it's just mm. because I'm in a black group, so I don't see a lot of racism. Oh, I don't, I don't think that's a black thing. That's sexism. That's sexism is going to, is going to be everywhere. I'm, I I'm not saying, that. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a black thing. I'm saying that because I'm in a black group, that's probably why I haven't, I haven't had like enough experiences with other atheists to be able to comment on that, but. To be able to, and to be able to comment on the racism because I haven't I haven't seen it, but I've seen the sexism from mainstream. It's just I don't have any personal experiences, but I do have personal experiences with sexism. You know, it's weird about the sexism thing. I have noticed some sexism <sighs> like in general in, in, in a general atmosphere. Um, I can personally say, and maybe maybe I'm naive to it. Maybe I'm not. It's there and I'm not seeing it. But I haven't seen any that's directed been directed at me personally. Simply because, I mean, as a girl growing up, having mostly male friends, I deal with men as if I am a man. I speak with them the same way that I would, you know, I, I speak to men and women the same way. Um, and I think, um, you know, when you kind of put yourself on that level of, of you know, um, not defensiveness but not being a doormat either, it kind of, it makes an impact. I know a, a few women on the line have dealt with the sexism, and it's gone either two ways. You know, you make them respect you, or you just have to remove them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, you really I'm, can't. There's I'm no middle, middle ground. ground. You have to make them respect you, or you remove them. There's no middle ground in that. Yeah. I, you know, um, I wanted to get back to this, the, you know, I was funny because I look at black and these groups and I see atheists who post up these these videos by Tommy Sotomayor. In fact, that was funny because I was scrolling through and so I just saw a video by Tommy Sotomayor. And if you guys don't know who he is, he's this real ignorant black guy who talks about black women like oh, like like, like dogs. dogs. <laughs> like you know you dogs. Everything right? we everything we do is wrong. But the thing is, I, he's also expressed he's also criticizing religion. So you have a lot of black males who post up his videos and post up. You're like, oh, he's telling the truth, he's telling the truth, and they thought they relate to him because it's black male, he's criticizing black women, 
and, you know, he's uh, also, you know, criticizing religion. But he also criticizes black women in religion, right? So, I mean, it's like he yeah. can't, and, and so as far as sexism goes, to me, that's a, that's a part of it, right? Like, we're constantly, um, not we, but, you know, you have to see this, this, this um, you have, to see, you have to see this stuff perpetuated, anti-black women stuff, especially perpetuated a lot. And I see that a lot even in atheist communities, even in black atheist communities. And that, that, to me, I've experienced more of that than I have ever experienced racism. Maybe because I'm not in a lot of these groups that are majority white. But um, right. But as far as how, you know, I, 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 it's like the sexism part, and I know the show is about race, so we have to, you know. But at the same time, you know, it's being a black woman atheist in these groups. It has been quite trying, you know, and I find myself being very frustrated to the point where, you know, I had to join a black female atheist group because I just couldn't do this anymore. And it was right. just like, and, and it was, and it's, it's just impossible sometimes. Well, it doesn't always impossible, but it feels impossible sometimes. And it's probably also, you know, keep in mind, um, you know, outside factors of sexism that I deal with in everyday life and in everyday conversations with even men in my own family. And, you know, then I go to these groups and, and I start to see this stuff, you know, perpetuated and pushed and, you know, to the point where it starts to make you feel like um, almost like you don't even have a voice in these spaces. And that's not, and I, I mean, as loud as I am and as aggressive as everybody says I am and, you know, whatever, at the same time, I, let him, I feel myself shutting down from some of these spaces because I can't deal with the sexism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was in a lot of these um, um, atheist groups where there'd be that person or persons whose posts I would avoid like the play because you already know they're just trying to bait a gender war, um, uh-huh. for, you know, for attention. Like, oh, all black women don't, don't do this and all black men don't do that and all black women are this and all black men are that. And it's like, you know, come off it, seriously. Right. You know, clearly right. you have some deep-seated issues and you're trying to start a war um, for absolutely no reason. Well, um, you know that. No, you were saying? Oh, I was saying that historically, though, like in the black community, it's been like, you know, as far as the whole community is concerned, you know, we shouldn't even talk about sexism because it's not important. Race is the most important thing. Yeah. Right. That's how it's always been. Like even when even during the civil rights movement too, like they right. thought and it's part of it, a lot of it part of it is religion, part of it is culture. Because, you know, in religion it's like, you know, the woman is supposed to be the help me. She's supposed to be helping the man get to where he needs to be. Like th- this whole woman behind the man thing that people people push and, and sadly, so the elevated of black male. Yeah, yeah, they continue I, I to do that. Where you know, you know, we may not believe anymore, but you're still supposed to be down for me. You're supposed to be right or die. Um, you know, like it, it, the, the mentality is really, really like amusing to say the least. Um, I right. know Zita wanted to chime in, or was it Brooks? I actually wanted to say something. It's Raina. Well, hey, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> No, so I was um I was just gonna say that um that Noah is absolutely right about um about it sort of having a one part to do with culture, but again it also has to do with respectability politics, which you had gone talked about earlier. Um and just the the I the notion that within our community the idea of um Hello black liberation. Raina? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello? I can hear you. Can you hear you, Raina? Okay. Yeah. So okay, um, that was my the idea. 
Okay, so the idea that black liberation um, is uh, connected somehow to um, to the black to black manhood. Right. So um, you'd have to keep that in mind. But I, I also agree that within a lot of the black um, black atheist community, I find a lot of racism and, and homophobia to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. surprising amount of homophobia. Yeah, I've seen some homophobia. I've seen a lot of a lot of transphobia, um, but um, yeah, I think this. You know, it's like it's like we were all saying earlier. Just because there's religion behind doesn't mean you um, you left behind irrational thinking or maybe mm-hmm. religiously based mentalities. Right, yeah. right. And and one of the things, if I may jump in here real quick. Um, you know, again, when you were talking about, you know, the, um, you know, the women's movement, the feminist movement, and there are a lot of black feminists that were part of that movement, but then we had the black power movement going at the same time, and unfortunately, you know, many black women were forced pretty much to take a side over here with the black power movement, which, you know, uh, many of them went over to that movement to help move the black community, but who's to say that you couldn't have been part of both movements. See, and and that's one of the issues, you know, especially with us being in a patriarchal society that, you know, a lot of men have this sense of entitlement, this sense that we have to choose, you know, the black community over our self-interest, over, you know, the interests of women and moving ourselves forward. But then on the other hand, you have some of these same men saying that, well, women get everything, men are, black men are the lowest on the totem pole. So it's, it's kind of like a catch-22, you know, in t- trying to talk to some of these men almost close to impossible, you know, especially when you're talking to, like, black nationalists or five percenters or people of that, because we've been called Negro bedwinches. We've been called all of that. Mm-hmm. Some of the mentality is in the atheist community, because I know what has transpired over the past two, three days, if you will, there are some black men in this community that are angry with a particular black woman because she called another black man out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we see a lot of that, and like I said, it's, like, it's kind of like the ride or die mentality, you know, um, putting black women down and then um, simultaneously asking them to be the devoted helpmate, um, you know, the one who never complains, always there, and always, you know, supports you um, um, emotionally and financially through hard times. You know, it's right. kind of like that thing where there is a huge talk that needs to go on within the black community about gender relations and gender right. roles and perceive, mm-hmm. well, perceived gender roles. But mm-hmm. that talk that will will take a back seat, especially if we don't have our own places within the free thought community, because the issues that affect black people as a whole have already taken a back seat. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and I was going to say, I was going to say one more thing to add on to what you were saying, um, Emma, which was great, well, which is um, that, you know, there's a reason why they use that, that, um, that metaphor for black women being the backbone of the community. Because the mm-hmm. emphasis is on back, uh-huh. in the back. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, they, I'm not Rosa Parks in it, so whatever. Hey, did you have something that you want to say, man? Brooks, did you have something to no, say? No, I'm good. I'm I'm just I'm I'm just trying to catch up to the conversation right now. <laughs> Last <laughs> question, you guys. Oh, uh, I man, I timed this perfectly. Um. 
do you feel that the emphasis should be on promoting social justice through secularism as a means of leading um, the black community to logic and reason, or vice versa? Do you feel that the emphasis should be on education, which, you know, the, 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 you know, educating them in logic and reason, and that way our communities will get better as a result? Brooks, I'm going to let you answer first. I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was reading something. What was the question again? Are you serious right now? I can't Dude, I'm side-eyeing you. I am side-eyeing you so hard through this phone. You don't even know. Are you seeing I She's a side-eye a motherfucker. Don't trip. Exactly. My bad, my bad, my bad. No, I said, do you feel that the emphasis should be on um on social justice and um, doing charitable works in the community to lead the black community through um to logic and reason, or do you feel the emphasis should be on education? and that through education and teaching our children critical thinking, we can build up the black community. And can I answer after him, by the way? It's Vita. Sure, yeah, go ahead. But, Brooke, I want you to go first. You're talking about the, the, just the secular, just as far as black atheists, or are we just talking about as, as black Well, people, yeah, we're period. talking about the black community. What do you think will benefit the black community more in the long run, you know, to lead them, to try to lead the, the next generation to free thought and, have our communities bolstered in this way, or do you think we should try to build up the communities through charitable works in order that more will come through to, to free thought and you know finally free themselves of religion? I mean, I don't see, I don't see why, honestly, why we can't do both. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, we don't have to try just a singular approach in order that you know, because people learn and people will come to free thought through different ways. Just like, just like everyone doesn't come to it through you know reading. Uh, reading science books and everyone didn't come to it through reading the Bible. I sure, like, I didn't come to it through through um, through science or anything like that. So I mean, I don't see we can uh, we can use both approaches as far as I'm concerned. You know, different shows mm-hmm. for different folks. Gotcha. Um, who wanted to answer next? Oh, Vita. Vita, go oh. ahead. So I, I definitely agree with Brooks, and 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 I'm gonna and the reason why I agree with him is I totally don't see how they're mutually exclusive. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you say that. I think you're saying that we should be more emphasis and more focused. But but the exactly. thing about social justice, though, is that uh, that does include logic and critical thinking. That does include that. So I'm not sure how like and, and this and, and me being a social justice advocate, like I said, I was a, you know I've been a community activist since I was about 14, 15 years old. And, you know, when I think social justice, and social justice, while I, even while I was a hyper-religious Christian, was, was at the forefront of everything that I did. And I, and I, and I think part of the reason that I, was, I learned to question, and I, I mean, let me put it like this. I, I was a community activist. I was around social justice people. All we did was fight for, you know, South Central, South L.A., you know, stuff for South L.A., you know, uh, education rights and, you know, housing rights, all kinds of things. That's what we did because those were the pertinent issues, and I did that while I was a Christian. But one of the ways mm-hmm. that I became an atheist was because I was in those communities, I was in those circles, and they questioned everything. It's, and that's a part of the social justice work. It's a part of being a part of it. Is, is that you start to question, you start to say, hey, why, is, why, is, why are there, you know, ten churches on one block, but we can't get a store over here, a grocery store over here? Right? Those mm-hmm. things come up in our conversation. You better, you better and, reach that. And so, <laughs> exactly. So what I'm saying is that, you know, part of what I learned to question, learned to have logic, learned to use reasoning, was, were in those social 
justice circles in those social justice communities. So I think, and that's why I 100% agree with Brooke, that if, I think if you focus, uh, if, you, if you want to say you have to focus on one, if you focus on social justice, you're going to get the other one. You're going to, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if we are, if we are doing, if we're doing it correctly, if we're pushing, if, as secular humanists, you know, because a lot of us are, you know, logical, critical mm-hmm. thinkers, that's going to be a part of the social justice work anyway. And and and, and, okay. and I think and when yeah, hey, hey, really quickly, Noah wanted to comment, but before you comment, Noah, I also want you to consider this question I'm about to ask. Do you think that the high volume of churches in poor black communities might um, be negatively impacting those communities. So I want you to answer the question I just, I, I, I think that Raina answered, and I want you to answer that one as well, please. Noah, are you there? Hello? Sorry, I was on mute, and I forgot I was muted. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um I as far as like the first question social justice and everything, I feel that I agree with I believe it was Vita, might have been MC Brooks. I don't know, there's a lot of people talking. But as the person who said that they are not mutually exclusive, I agree with that person. And I also think that one often leads to the other. As far as like social justice is concerned, it can, it, social justice encompasses a wide variety of issues. And I, when people are happier and people are taken care of, they automatically kind of just like step away from religion, I would think. And countries like Sweden and, and other European countries, you know, where they have universal health care, they have those kind of things they don't tend to worry about religion as much. So I would think that one would lead to people thinking about other things. But people tend to cling to what's familiar and what's traditional when they're going through stuff. That's just how we do. I, I think that's a good question. Um, so I wanted to ask you is, do you feel that, and, and you know, someone brought up why we have all these churches. I, I Personally, I lived in a neighborhood about three years ago um, that had quite a few churches, like in, in a string, um, everything from the Black Baptist Church to the Armenian Catholic Church, like all of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you okay. Feel that now, it's a high that volume great. of all these churches. Mario, you want to say something? Yeah, it's uh, seven forty-five. That brings us to the end of the show, and we have a lot of people who have a lot of things. I think some people have actually dropped off, though. But uh, um, hold on, we have a caller. No, I was actually at 745. I want to give everybody a chance to promote their projects and, you know, the things that um, they're doing offline and whatnot. Um, I guess I just go down the line, you know. Um, Raina, you go first. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Hi. Um, So you can uh, catch what I'm doing, I guess, on my blog, um, The Roads to Reality. I don't know exactly when I'm bringing my show back. I'm kind of dealing with some stuff right now. But you can then catch my, you know, some of the work that I contribute to through um, the People of Color Beyond Faith project that I work with with, um, with Kim, Kimberly Veal, um, Donald Wright, and uh, Sakibu Hutchinson. Um, we have monthly um, webcasts that we do where we talk about various uh, different subjects. Um, and um, I guess that's it for me. All right. Okay, cool. Um, Noah, what um, about you? Um, I guess you guys could catch me at um, 
Loudish. It's www.loudishness.com. Or I'll also be co-hosting with MC Brooks in a couple of weeks. And I also cross-post at um, the Black Non-Believers site every once in a while, so you can catch me over there, too. Larry Suresh and um, Bree Crutchfield. So, yep. Awesome. Um, let's see. Brooks. Who is next? Brooks? Google me. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she on that Kanye swag. <laughs> you ain't got the answers, but you got the results on Google. Um, you can catch me on here. Uh, like Noah said, we'll actually be de- debuting our first show uh, in about a little over a week and a half from now on January 16th. Um, I forget the topic we decided on, but we're going to be interviewing uh, uh, my fellow uh, uh, rapper in Grand Unified Grip, and we're going to be discussing his new album as well as uh, some other stuff. But um, aside from that, uh, you can catch me on Facebook, Twitter, Reverb Nation, Bandcamp. Catch me everywhere. I use the same name for everything, MC Brooks. Uh, download my my last my new mixtape that came out like a few months ago. MCBrooks.bandcamp.com and uh, I think that's about it. Google me. Cool. Kim, what you got going on? All right. Um, yeah. Oh. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sunday at noon Central Standard Time, we will have our show. White nationalist, black nationalist, atheist front. So that should be an interesting conversation. Raina's going to co-host Sunday with me. And People of Color Beyond Faith, December 19th is our next, I'm sorry, January 19th is our next webcast. And basically I'll update people with more information. So thank you. All right. Em, what you got going on? I know you got something going on. Where's Vita at? Somebody. I'm right Vita. here. Okay. <laughs> what do you have going on? I'm sorry. Um, okay. So, as you guys know, I'm also on Black Free Thinkers Radio. And my next show is actually this Thursday, um, on the 16th, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um and we'll be discussing uh, new topics of that week, hot topics, recent topics that you're talking about. The, um, there's a young lady who's on life support after um, being brained. I mean, um, she's, um, she's brain dead, and she's on life support after having gotten a, t- a tonsillectomy. And uh, just talking about that, and you know, a lot of uh, Obamacare's different topics are going on in the news right 